So, hello, my name is David Turner, and this is another Lunar Poetry Short. And today I'm joined by Michael Curran of Tangerine Press. Hello, Michael. Hello there, David. And we're in Tooting. We are indeed. Town, we uh, yes. Wimbledon, but it's because the dog track's next door. Yeah, he's very close to the dog track. Yeah. We're going to start with Michael giving us a brief history of the press and binding shop. Okay. Um, well, I started Tangerine Press. Uh, it should be ten years ago, as of next year. I'll be celebrating ten years in 2016, and um, the idea was to publish what I would call, for want of a better term, underground poetry, prose, uh, um, and then I moved into photography as well. But I was more interested in handbound limited editions, uh, hardcover with acid-free papers, all the rest of it. And um, so I was doing that for about seven or eight years in my own time because I was a full-time self-employed carpenter for many years. And um, then my circumstances changed a couple of years ago and I thought, well, I'll just go full-time into the press and see what happens. So with that sort of major change in my life, I've got you know, a full workshop now instead of just my front room, <laughs> um, which I was doing you know, for many years, as I've said. Uh, so now I've got a proper workshop in an industrial estate in Tooting, as he said. And, you know, along with the handbound editions, I've started doing high quality paperbacks as well that get full distribution into the uh, bookshops across the country, across the world. Um, just to sort of prop up what I'm trying to do with the limited editions as well, you know, just get a broader appeal, get more collectors and get more people interested in poetry in particular and also prose and photo books and uh, generally other unusual projects that I get involved in. I'm going to ask a heavily leading question now but why would you start a small press of this nature? <laughs> <laughs> well it's you know it's two factors because like I've said I was a carpenter for many years you know 16 years or whatever and um, so I was always making things which are most of the time I enjoyed but I also read a lot and I wanted to combine the two so I learned how to bookbind and then I was stuck for a couple of years because I didn't know who to publish and then um, and that sort of led me into sort of you know obviously I always enjoy reading poetry in particular but I started reading these poets dead and alive and you know new and not known or lost to the past and looking at them in a different way in terms of could I publish these people or is there anything there that stirs me enough to want to commit you know, time and money to these these writers and getting their their work out there, and that's yeah, really what I wanted to do. I was going to talk about the ish, uh, subject of publishing poetry, yeah, in a bit. But since you brought it up, I may as well ask the question now. So, yeah. one, it's why would you start a press like this? Which yeah, it's quite a lot of work for financially. It doesn't it wouldn't be as much gain. I yeah, assume. no. And two, why would you then double your hassle by printing fucking poetry? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm sort of not making it easy for myself. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I just, like I say, I just enjoy making books and publishing poetry that I love, and I have to be sort of committed to it and, you know, really enjoy it to sort of want to, you know, use all that time and money, you know, in my own time as it was for many years just to get that work out there. So that's really um, what I was doing there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely understand the link between uh, cause my my background in carpentry as well. I, yeah, I served yeah. an apprenticeship, and uh, yeah. I still find it really hard to. Um, I can't 
draft poems on the iPad or anything. I have to mm. have a pen that I'm comfortable with. I have to have paper that I'm comfortable with writing on with that pen. Mm. Mm. Um, do you think there's a re general resurgence in interesting crafts in that way and using the appropriate tools for the appropriate I think job? there is. Yeah, it certainly is. And I think in terms, you know, just to broaden it out to other publishers, I mean, even the big publishers are doing limited editions, handbound, like Favour have started doing it this year I think and um, which is interesting you know and you know I think there really is a resurgence of it I was in foils on Charing Cross Road the other day and there was um, I saw an advert for um, a book binding course okay. that they're running there and it, yeah I think there is a it's, but it's a very sort of murky muddy waters for publishing and writing at the moment because everyone's banging on about ebooks and kindles and now we're reading that the sales are dramatically dropping off, and of all things, paperback sales have gone up. Yeah, which is there were that was the whole idea of eBooks was to supersede paperbacks. But I think everyone is still a physical world. People still want tactile objects, you know, that they can read from, as opposed to just a dull flat screen that you know is yeah, the, with no personality. Waterstones to it. recently stopped selling Kindles, didn't they? they oh, I didn't know that. Now oh, really? The, um, yeah. I suppose. It, it may just be that the the, the people that, would, that are comfortable reading Kindles yeah. perhaps own Kindles yeah. and tablets so they don't yeah. need to keep restocking that yeah. and that's maybe if there has been a resurgence in paperback books it might be that Kindles have just reached a plateau rather than yeah. falling out of favour but it's oh, absolutely it's level and yeah well this is it. it's all about getting the levels like you're saying it is all about coexistence I'm, you know people assume because I'm a book binder and I sort of publish sort of niche writers and poetry and all the rest of it that I'm sort of anti all that I'm not it's all about coexistence it's what suits you because the bottom line is you know writing whatever format you do on a piece of toilet paper or a kindle or on a handbound limited edition that costs 500 pounds you know but it the important thing is the write the writing comes through in any format it doesn't really matter it's yeah. really what suits you I'm not sort of no slamming down any other formats or any other publishers or anything like that. This is yeah. what I'm interested in, and therefore I do it. Just a note to the listeners: we're in a we're in a proper factory, so you might be able to hear water running through a pipe, but we're not in any danger, so it's fine. We'll continue. <laughs> <laughs> I've got used to that noise. Yeah, That's why yeah I didn't probably say didn't even notice it. No. Um, it's the kind of thing that really sounds. You pick it up well on the mic, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, we're very close to the River Wandle, so yeah. it's, it's not the River Wandle leading say through. Yeah, so where we are is based um, the Garrett Lane Industrial Estate. Yes, yeah, Garrett Business called. Park yeah. off Garrett Lane. Which is where the Wimbledon Art Studios are, and they have yeah. um, open days. And it's probably worth everyone coming down to check out. There's a lot of yeah. great little businesses down there. Yeah, there is. I mean, it's, it's yeah, you've got Wimbledon Art Studios just up the road. and um, But yeah, it's just a, you know, because my workshop is actually inside a printer's warehouse or rent space at the back but there's you know it's just all sorts along here just a sort of traditional and industrial estate in general how do you what do you think the health of the of small presses like this is in the country oh gosh i, I mean it's, it's a very broad question but i mean just in compared yeah. to when you started perhaps yeah i mean it's it's always been a very strong sort of loyal following i've been really lucky more or less from day one you know, I had regular collectors who were just buying up two copies of everything because that's what a lot of collectors do. They buy a f one to stash and one a reading copy. So yeah, it's I think small presses. I mean, there's the variations within that, isn't there? Because um, you've got small presses that do things like I do, which is a book binding and all the rest of it, in addition to just 
bringing out new writing or lost classics or whatever you want to call them but there's um there's the other publishers that are more sort of commercially minded that don't do the sort of artisan side of things but then you know that's that's also you know changing as well because i know we're going to talk about this a bit later but with commissions i do get a lot of other publishers come to me because they want to do limited editions of successful books or books they're particularly keen on. Yeah. And um, so I'm, you know. Yeah, actually, we could talk about that yeah. just quickly. Yeah. Is that um, becoming more common that larger publishers will use smaller presses for limited editions? Um, Is there much outsourcing in that way? Not really. I th it's hard to say because, like, with the only other strong example I think of is Faber because they're still independent, but yeah. they're very big, aren't they? Yeah. But um, yeah, they've just started doing limited editions themselves. But as far as I can make out, they're they're publishing them themselves. Obviously, yeah. they have a book binding firm to put the books together for them. But um, yeah, I think that's. But it's all just constantly moving and muddling around with yeah. all publishers, even the huge publishers. Like I said, they've started doing limited editions, signed. Just suddenly in the last year or two, they've—I mean, you know—it's—it's it's good for them because you don't have to wait for a distributor to pay for paperback sales because sometimes you have to wait, you know, a few months for that. Okay. Whereas with the handbound editions, they're generally direct from the publisher, which is what Tangerine does, and um, you know, you're getting your sort of investment back straight away or pretty much straight away. Um, next, I'd like to talk about. Um previous projects that you've completed at Tangerine and if there's any in particular that you're really proud of yeah I mean well the one I've just finished I mean I'm proud of all of the books I've published because I just there would be no point in me getting involved in any project if I wasn't 100% committed to mm. you know what if I was in you know definitely enjoying what I was reading and believed in the work but yeah the book I've just done Seeing Richard which is a a collection of photos by Eric Weber that he took of Richard Brautigan from uh, 1963 to 1978 and um, they just most of the pictures have never been seen before and uh, it was introduced by William Hjorksberg who's who wrote the huge Broadcom biography Jubilee Hitchhiker which is an amazing book so he wrote the introduction and also Jarvis Cocker's a big fan of Richard Broadcom he regularly promotes him on his BBC Six music show and he wrote the kind of wrote the foreword for it so I'm really chuffed that that came together but again, you know, these things, you know, I originally started talking about that a year and a half ago, so it's relatively long time. That's what I mean about I have to be believing in the work, because yeah. the amount of time, sometimes it's a lot longer, you know, when you're trying to get rights for an author that's deceased or something, and you have to go through the estate and all the rest of it. It can drag on quite a long time, so you have to be really into it mm. to want to publish it. But, yeah, I suppose the, the most important, Important book to me and the Tangerine is the William Wantling collections that I've done, and the one in particular this year in the Enemy Camp. Well, William Wantling was maybe familiar to some people as a contemporary poet of Charles Bukowski. They had a really peculiar friendship that sort of went on through the mail, through letters, and they did eventually meet, but it was an absolute disaster. But yeah, Wantling uh, was born in 1933 uh, in a small town in Illinois. And uh, you know, quite a regular upbringing. He joined the Marines at seventeen. Went to the Korean War for one year, uh, where he got apparently got injured and was treated with morphine. And um, he was honourably discharged after getting to the rank of sergeant when he was twenty, I think. 
and uh, but he still had a craving for um, morphine. It triggered something <laughs> in him. So he was in the mid fifties in California, where he was dropped off, and he immediately got into heroin. And he uh, he's soon to be sort of first wife was an addict as well and they used to it's kind of I don't want to romanticise it but they had a kind of a Bonnie and Clyde relationship they would sort of rob convenience stores and mug people so it's all pretty nasty but it is that's how they live they're addicted but one thing eventually, eventually got caught and ended up in San Quentin prison for five years for um, forging scripts and possession and um, it was in prison that he started to write and so by this time he's in his early 30s I think and um, and then he uh, was released from prison returned to a small town in Illinois was divorced while he was in prison had a son that he never saw from that first marriage and he married again to Ruthie Wantling who I'm in touch with who's an amazing woman she's still around and I went to see her earlier this year in Illinois and he um, become a English lecturer but he still had a lot of addiction problems. He was still really into his booze and uh, was smoking a lot of marijuana and all that kind of stuff. And um, so he was lecturing, but he died because he was, you know, just had a really bad lifestyle, really unhealthy. And he died when he was forty in nineteen seventy-four. But uh, his writing is extraordinary. I think he does. He gets unfairly compared to Bukowski, but he's got a broader scope. He's um, you know, he talks about career, talks about addiction and prison, all that kind of stuff. So it's quite raw and he's nowhere near as prolific as Bukowski but what work he has produced is just as um, on an equal standing I think and I did a definitive collection called In the Enemy Camp and that was introduced by uh, forward by Thurston Moore who's a big fan of one of these works so that was a great bonus to get him involved I suppose so, yeah. that's um, the whole point with businesses like this isn't it? no matter how much hard work's involved yeah or how much time uh, how time consuming they are mm. you do get to work on projects that you're passionate about and yeah. you're clearly very uh, enthusiastic about oh yeah 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 it yeah. must yeah. be quite a big pleasure to be able to put together a really nice yes edition of his work and, well this is and, it it's just like, go out into the world and yeah it's the whole process you know just like you can go because you know do everything from the obviously not the writing but you know you sort of go through it design the mm. books themselves choose all the papers actually since we were talking about like the process and yeah. how long it can take we, yeah. maybe we, should, we could talk a bit more generally about not so much I think the com, calling it the commissioning process is probably a bit misleading but if anyone mm. was to approach Tangerine Press and wanted to put together an yeah. what would be involved and yeah well generally the situation is uh, either a you know, a gallery or a publisher, or any, even occasion, very occasionally, individuals come to me and want to produce a book. So it's just a case of giving them the options. There's, you can go full on with a hardcover, handbound edition, limited, and signed, and all the rest of it, which is the most expensive. Obviously, you can do slip cases and clamshell boxes and all the rest of it, whatever they want. And then it goes right through to chapbooks, which are, if people aren't familiar with that term, it's if you can imagine a pamphlet, you know, like a but a hand sewn version of a pamphlet, but a chapbook is a a stiff card cover instead of with the pamphlet being all the same paper all the way through, the it's cover like a, is the same. It's like a really good quality zinc with a proper with a card cover. Yeah, but it's hand sewn sewn together. Yeah, yeah, with nice papers yeah. and I can emboss the covers. I've got a, an embosser here, we've got a I'm just looking at it now. It's a half ton of 1960s cast iron 
Marshall Embosser, which is a wonderful bit of equipment that's been refurbished by a friend of mine. And I've got numerous presses here, you know, just snipping presses, finishing presses, hand tools. So yeah, with the commissioning, it can go from a very simple chapbook uh, right the way through to, you know, full on edition. Yeah, but I suppose the, the benefit of coming to a press like this is that, you know, you're available to talk the whole process. Yeah, so exactly. It's, it's, uh, people don't know about Mm. Paper weights of paper, you know, um, methods of binding. At least it can come and get yeah. advice right the way through. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as well as just approaching you and asking you to put something together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can go through the whole process and then come yeah. and visit me in so my workshop. You recently put together a pamphlet for Jody Porter at Wellversed for one yes. of the live events. And how did that? What sort of process did, did Jody just entrust you with putting something together? Or? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was in that instance. I actually uh, he was doing a Wellversed event uh, um, for the Peckham Literary Festival at the Review Bookshop and um, I saw he was doing that and there's a you know really great list of poets he had lined up and I just I got in touch with him you know which you know it's quite unusual and I said look do you want me to do like a limited edition uh, free chapbook for you know for the people reading and also for any you know, people who came along to sort of listen and um, yeah that's a very simple process he just said yeah let's do it and he gave me the manuscripts of the each there's one poem from each of the nine poets reading that night so he just sent them over to me he said what order they wanted them in and I just designed everything and sent over a proof mm. and that was essentially it you know he sort of left me to it and it was great fun it was really good to be involved in something like that because it's a local thing and Jody's you know got very good uh, taste in poetry and so well um, yeah. just in case anyone doesn't know well versus the poetry section in the morning staff in the morning staff I didn't say that yeah which is, um, the only I think it's the only socialist yeah. uh, publication in the, I think it's in, in the world country, in the world possibly I think yeah, it is yeah. in the world yeah and, um, they publish some really good poetry in that. yeah they it's, do it's nice to, that the event is now attached you know there's some sort of printed version of yeah exactly that's what I wanted to do because I did something similar in Leicester well, last year I think year. they could only get about four people in the audience <laughs> the, the, the review bookshop's tiny I know it is but they did it in the basement which oh, is, did they? yeah, yeah okay. but yeah it was really well attended yeah. it, was, it was good sort of good amount of people yeah. I was quite impressed but yeah I only suggested that just to go back to it a little bit because um, I I was involved in a festival last year up in Leicester and again actually someone asked me to do a little uh, gratis chapbook for that and I was happy to do it yeah. and then that's what made me think of okay. approaching Jodie for this and um, what does the future hold with Andrew Grace you mentioned the 10 year anniversary yeah well it's yeah well next year I'm going to do I always find this is the one thing I have find you know, hard to get time for is to organise events, you know, book launches, which is terrible because I should be doing more of them. But yeah, next year is 10 years of Tangerine Press, so I'm intending to celebrate quite a lot. And I've already been going out, meeting people, and going to nice independent bookshops and talking about launching books there and doing readings and just, just trying to get out there a bit more. And so that's sort of launch and event type of thing. I'll, I'll be updated on the website. Um, but in terms of publications, I'll be doing more books with Billy Childish that I've done quite a lot of work with in the past. So it's more poetry collections from him. Um, also, I'll be doing later in the year be a collection of essays by Ian Sinclair, who actually wrote the introduction for a reissue of Jack London's The People of the Abyss that we published last year. So I'm really excited about that because I think. He's a fascinating man and got such an amazing outlook on London and 
the way he looks at things. So I'm really excited about that. But then I've got there's new writers coming out. Um, a fellow called Chris Wilson. He writes. He's done a few poems, but he's more short stories, and he's an artist as well, a painter. So that'll be a very interesting book later in the year from him, like a proper full collection of short stories. But um, yeah, it's essentially everything that's coming up that I can tell you about. There's other books yeah, I've got yeah. lined up that I can't talk yeah, about because yeah. I'm still looking for rights because yeah. they're sort of lost in the ether of the 1970s. Yeah. And I'm really excited about them because they're just genuinely lost classics mm. and everyone's forgotten about them and I think they're equal to... Uh, there's one book in particular that I'm really keen on. It's along the lines of John Healy's The Grass Arena. I don't okay. know if you know that. It's a sort of quite raw sort of homeless autobiographical novel. I think it's just as good as that, if not better. And everyone's forgotten about it. And there's a fascinating public publication story behind it as well, as well as being an amazing yeah. piece of writing. So yeah, there's a lot going on. Oh, great. And, yeah. um, and we'll, I'll be tweeting and uh, putting stuff on Facebook as uh, Tangerine Press events happen as well. Yeah. Um, but, um, Maybe I should say the website as well. If anyone, yeah, so, um, yeah. yeah, if anyone wants to get hold of you to check out what you're doing, what you're binding, and also if you know, they want to get anything bound themselves, then they can get you at eatmytangerine.com. Uh, and you're on Twitter. I am at uh, Tangerine at Press. Tangerine Press, and uh, yeah, but all those links will be under this video. Uh, <laughs> have we said enough about poetry? Do you want to talk a bit more about? I've had enough of poetry. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows that. I'm talking to a poet this afternoon. We'll yeah. For that. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. Uh, I think it's actually it's good to also remember that um, poets have other projects you know and even though this podcast is aimed at poets people are you know most people are writing prose as well mm. most people are putting together things a lot of people are working as editors and, mm. and this, mm. I think it's hopefully they'll find this yeah it's a broader appeal so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah get in touch with Tangerine alright thank you Michael lovely stuff much. cheers and shaking hands now you can't see it um, <laughs> go away